You are listening to The Dollop. <laughs> this is a sometimes bi-weekly podcast about American history. Each week I read a story from American history to my friend... Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is about. Anything else to say? <laughs> I'm grumpy and tired. <laughs> God, you want to look at a dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> People say this is funny? Not Gary Guerra. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakie of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. Edmund Haley, <laughs> are you gonna? I mean, do you want to just start with the dating shot again? Is known for his insights into the nature of comets, recognizing their elliptical periodicity, better, better, and precisely identifying the cyclical nature of one that now bears his name. That's Haley's comet. We already did one Edward, about that. Oh, but it was in 1691 that Haley came up with a theory about the Earth. He deduced that the Earth's magnetic field changes because the Earth was hollow. And he thought hollow Earth beings lived in the middle of our planet. Oh, whoa. What? Buddy. What? This is, there's no, there's no foreplay on this one. Uh, You're just jamming her in. We got right into her. Jesus, he thought the Earth was like one of those weird chocolate Dutch eggs. Yeah, and hopefully there's chocolate in there too. People, okay. Like Fraggle Rock. Yeah, it's a lot like Fraggle Rock. Sure. Haley said the Earth consisted of a hollow shell about 500 miles thick. (laughs) I love that he just came up with that number. Like, there's no... I mean, there's no no evidence of any of this, but then to, like, top it off with these weird details... No, it's 500 miles, and then it's all in there. It's all just uh, a hollow... Scientology's taught us one thing. It's the specificity is what hooks them. Uh, So then there's two inner concentric shells at an innermost core about the diameters of the planets Venus, Mars, and Mercury. Okay, so, so he's yeah. he's just totally out of his tits. He's he's going for it. He's, yeah, but he's I mean like like you just alluded to, there's no there's no well, proof. I, I think I think a big part of science is just going for it. <laughs> just totally go for it. Shoot first, ask questions last. He said atmospheres separated the shells, and each shell had its own magnetic pole, and the spheres rotated at different speeds. What so inside he? the Earth, there's other planets like that clock? are spinning and uh, going uh, yeah. <laughs> at different speeds. Well, what was the movie with Guillermo del Toro did with the giant robots uh, fighting in the oceans? Oh, um, I don't remember. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. But yeah. uh, Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim. But right. that those things came from inside the Earth. They were living in there. Oh, okay. So, well, he's validated. Well, that's. I think that's science. Yeah, that's definitely science. The idea of a hollow Earth persists uh, through the next centuries, despite scientific proof of any kind. Haley's idea of a race of rational beings, rational also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're better than us already, right? Uh, populating the hollow er, uh, hollow space of the Earth resonated with people throughout the 19th century. Ugh. So people, a lot of people are like, this is a fucking great this idea. This is right. This sounds good. You know what? This guy's not just comets. 
This guy also knows what's inside of Earth's guts. Okay, so he called the comet, which he could see, and then he also said a bunch of stuff he couldn't see. This guy can't miss. He's on fire right now with these concepts. Holy shit, you guys. Haley's going for it. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> do you hear what bread is? It's a dog. Look at Haley. <laughs> Uh, much of this belief was due to God. It was presumed that all planets that circle a sun must support sentient life. What? Like Earth. God did nothing without purpose, and it was clear, therefore, that God would have placed life on other planets so that they would be inhabited in the same way as our own. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. They okay. Can't. Can you find any holes? No. You know, they, look, it's such an easy... Because God... That's just mm-hmm. an easy ask anything, because well, God, God. God wouldn't put us here if he wasn't going to put other people on other planets. Why would he do it? Because God. Hey, now. Huh? Enter Cleves Sims Jr. Cleves? The name's so good, they had to name another child it. I mean, I assume it's Cleves, it, like Steve's. It's spelled sure. like Steve's with Well, there's not really L. a better version. Cleves? I, I like Cleves. It just sounds better. Let's go with Cleves. He was born in 1779 to a well-known family. His uncle was a delegate to the Congressional Congress, fought in the Revolutionary War, and served on the New Jersey Supreme Court. So he's coming from a family sure. of fucking some hot shit. Some ballers. John Cleve Sims Jr. added Jr. to his name so he wouldn't be confused with his uncle, John. Oh, well, can right? I, sure. So he, he's not actually a junior. Right. But since he had the same name as uncle, he was like, well, I'll just call myself Junior. Sure. You and, can who, do that. and who would want to be confused with a super respected, famous <laughs> well, guy? Well, dude, you don't want to get any of that heat. <laughs> Come on now. John joined the military at 1802 at the age of 22. He was very successful in his military career, unlike almost everyone else we have done a dollop about. Right. Uh, during the War of 1812, he served as a captain. He fought and won a duel. How about that? Yeah. Well, we know that's no easy uh, task. He learned French and Spanish and married Marianne Longwood. Oh. This is a good story. Marianne Longwood Jr. Mm-hmm. As she'd become to know. Everybody had to become a junior in the family. Yep. In 1816, he left the army and settled in St. Louis to trade with the Fox Indians. So that's easy. He's like, I'm going out to the frontier. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just trade some beaver pelts for some squaws or whatever you do. Yep. Beaver pelts for squaws. His uncle was... Oh, I already did that. Okay. Do you need... John was a radical thinker and a pseudoscientist. Pseudo's tough there. Well, he read a lot of books. So? That's... I mean, I... You know, like... I feel like he's going to go for it. I could have... I could read two books on guitars. I wouldn't say and I'm then, a pseudo-guitarist. I back I'd say I read two books on guitars. I think back then you were a... a you were I'm a the world's best guitar player. Yeah, you could do that back then. <laughs> no one was calling you on any shit. Ugh, that was a better time. In uh, December 1817, John saw a comet explode in a way that he interpreted as indicating it was not only hollow, but also open at its poles. It's actually just a meteor. Um, but he well, called uh, it a comet. Comets don't come down and explode. But so he saw it explode. So he saw a meteor explode and he looked at it and he said, well, the way that exploded, it there's... must be hollow and open at the end. Yeah. OK. You see where this is going? Uh, oh, boy. He then extrapolated that all planets were hollow. Oh, no. And had holes at the ends. Uh, and were filled with smarter people. 
1818, a handbill announcing itself as circular number one began appearing in letterboxes throughout the United States. Okay. It was addressed, quote, to all the world, exclamation point. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's a lot of printing. Yeah. And proclaimed an original and holy American theory of the Earth's structure and geography. Uh, I'm, I'm nervous. I declare the Earth is hollow oh. and habitable within, containing a number of solid concentric spheres, one within the other, and that it is open at the poles. <laughs> Wait. I pledge my life in support of this truth, and I am ready to explore the hollow if the world will support and aid me in the undertaking. Sign John Cleve <laughs> Signs of Ohio. Sign Google a And I like noodles and bikes. <laughs> Sign spaghetti's good. I So yeah. He thinks it's like one of those Russian dolls, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what it sounds like. Right? Yeah, for sure. And, um, <laughs> okay, to the world is a great way to address it. I have ready for the press a treatise on the principles of matter, wherein I show proofs of the above positions, account for various phenomena, and disclose Dr. Darwin's golden secret. My terms are the patronage of this and new worlds I dedicate to my wife and her ten children. Uh, my wife and her ten children? I don't know what happened there. Uh, I know Whoa. she had been previously married. Um, I don't know if she came with 10 kids, and if she did, How did that's she... a lot of baggage. Jesus. Uh, so he seems like he might be a saint. Uh, her 10... I mean... Who marries a lady with 10 kids? I mean, the way... If you're the lady, the way you've got to bring that up, it just oh. has to be a... You have to be a pseudoscientist. So Because awkward. you start date four with like... There's something I have to tell you. I actually have a kid. You know, oh. and he's like, oh, okay. Oh, times. Yeah, okay. And then, you know, you go another four dates, you go, I haven't been uh, totally I honest. I have another one. My daughter has a brother. And and he has a, a brother. And he has a brother. So and I have he has three a sister. kids. And then when you get them to meet, you just bring out seven. Oh, did I not mention? Oh, all? I'm sorry. You got three left in the closet. They they keep splitting. There's just they're and splitting. There's another one. They're it's Adams? osmosis. Excuse me. Yep. And then once you fornicate, mm-hmm. just have the other three come in. You go. Oh yeah. After you fornicate, so you're saying once he gets the action, he's yeah. like, yeah, ten's cool. Well, this is a different time, you know. This is like a guy. A guy would, you know, yep. he'd have to walk miles. I ask 100 brave... He didn't just have an app on his phone. To, go ahead. All right. You ready for his ask? Yeah. I ask 100 brave companions, well-equipped to... <laughs> I'm asking for 100 fucking idiots. <laughs> well-equipped to start from Siberia in the fall season with reindeer and sleighs on the ice <laughs> of the frozen sea. <laughs> oh. Uh-huh. We're going to fly there, gentlemen. <laughs> and anyone who gives a shit gets coal. I engage. We find a warm and rich land stocked with elves, thr- <laughs> stocked with thrifty vegetables and animals, if not men. On reaching one degree northward of latitude 62, we will return the succeeding spring. So he's got a plan. Yeah, just dip in the earth for a little while, come back out. Hundred bros, go down there, get some veggies. Hundred bros, live maybe, like Santa maybe bring for a little back, while. Maybe bring back a rabbit or another dude, yeah. whatever's down there. Fucking go and make then, some uh, presents inside earth. Yep. John printed 500 copies of his circular. Woo. It sent them 
to philosophical societies, colleges, foreign rulers and governments, Jeez. American politicians and natural philosophers throughout the United States and Europe. Ugh, more I just fun. love that some guy in uh, Bulgaria is like, uh, uh, what? Uh, what do you, you want us to? You, you go center? He lives like Santa Claus? He says. Uh, lives oh. like Santa Claus, then goes inside the earth? He says uh, vegetables. Lots of vegetables? Potato. Potatoes are lovely. He also attached to each copy a certificate attesting to his sanity. Well, Dave, <laughs> we all know that you're in a good place when you have to attach a I'm not crazy letter. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, you know, you're sending out something uh, that's taken a pretty big step. I am not a crazy person. Yeah, when you have to attach a certified letter. Now, of not I know what crazy. you're thinking. Hmm? This guy sounds fucking crazy. Right, because there's. I'm a... not crazy. Okay. If you see the attached newsletter, do. you'll see that I'm not actually crazy. Right. You're but, crazy for thinking that I'm crazy. But here, just let me give you a. Uh, sure. I'd like to counter that. And sure, sure, you sure, do sure. have the note from a doctor saying you are sane. Yes. But then you sent out a crazy letter with it. Uh, no, 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 not a crazy letter. Okay. Uh, no, 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 that is a letter of my intentions. Right. And then to prove uh-huh. that I'm not crazy, right. if you look on the back there, you'll yeah. see a letter that says, what does it say? It says you're not crazy. Thank you. But this whole letter says you're crazy. It, if you look on the back, there's right. another letter. Right, I see that, that will, one. Okay. I'm just saying they, they cancel each other out a little bit. Well, I Listen, I'd love for you to come. What's in the middle? Of Earth? Yeah. Lots of great produce. <laughs> great deli. It's like a great supermarket. Unfortunately, his circular was met with overwhelming ridicule. I'm, I'm sorry. We must have missed something because it sounds like you're still talking about him. And there's no way he was ridiculed. But that did not deter John. He continued to promote his theory relentlessly over the next decade. In 1820, he moved to Newport, Kentucky, just across the river from Cincinnati, which was at that point an um, at that point an emerging outpost of American science. There, John devoted himself completely to promoting the hollow earth theory. Jesus, he toured the country giving speeches about this terrific news. His speaking fees and donations from supporters covered his travel and lecture expenses, Oy. but not much else. This left the family he had ten kids. Yeah, this left the family in great debt. What about he had 10 kids and then came up with the theory to get out of the fucking house? Oh. What yeah. about, oh my God, what have I married into? Yeah. This will take me on the road. Yeah. I'll just say the inside of Earth's hollow. And off we go. Earth's uh, a ping pong ball. So his family just scraped by on rents from farms inherited from his famous uncle, and his brother Peyton would kick in a little cash now and then to help him out. John was said to be an intelligent, informed, and tireless researcher who was 100% convinced of his theory. He was also completely immune to shame and ridicule and <laughs> critiques of his theory. He never blamed his critics for failing to see the truth. Instead, he assumed it was his fault for failing to communicate his theory clearly. So he, this is the kind of thing where people be like, well, it's not actually uh, hollow because of, of the way it spins and we can see the other planets and... It, it's not a, and there's no holes at the end. And he would go, "Oh, you're not hearing me. You're it. You're not hearing me. I'm saying it's hollow, right? And we're saying that if you look at the science, it's right. not hollow. Okay, but there's holes at the end, and it's hollow. Nope, that's where you're wrong. Everything you just said is inaccurate. Okay, so you're not hearing me correctly. I'm so hearing I'm you. I'm going to explain. I'm hearing it again. you correctly. Okay, just let me talk. <laughs> 
Just let me talk. So it's hollow. Yeah, you've already said all this shit, and I've already read your letter that says you're not crazy. Right. Yeah, you're crazy. Okay, so then there's holes at the end. All right, buddy. Great to see you. That's that would great be, to see. I feel like that's a conversation. He kind of sounds like a shitty comic. <laughs> I was totally thinking that when I was right. He's kind of like this guy who's like yeah. got a bunch of shitty bits, and then like even when he's explaining them, stands by the fact that the explanation everyone, makes them good. Yeah, everyone's like, no. I'm just saying, dude. The f- go ahead. The first reference to his theory is found in a letter to his stepson, Anthony, dated August 17th, 1817. This is to his, his stepson, yeah. Anthony. Who probably thought his dad was crazy. Quote. From the curious formation of Saturn, I infer that all planets and globes are hollow. He does not elaborate any more, and he must have written some terrific letters to his family members. <laughs> Wait, what? That's all he said. That was his le- that was the letter? He didn't explain more as to why he just, he said, just wrote it down so it was real. Right. Now, he mentioned Saturn because uh, Jean-Jacques de Marianne had a theory about Saturn's rings. He hypothesized that the ring was a remnant of an outer shell that had broken into pieces and fallen to the Earth's surface. So that's what some guy theorized. Which isn't he, a horrible he theory thought, if you're looking at a ring. If you look sure. at a ring around a planet and say, well, that must be, that was probably a at one point, a bigger sphere, a shell that cracked open. Because I'm looking at a yoke planet. I can't figure out in my little uh, stupid 19th century brain yeah. how there could be a ring. Yeah. Uh, so I just thought it was engaged to Pluto. It just looks like they're so happy. Pluto put a ring on it. Pretty much all astronomers astronomers dismissed the idea, but John was like, "That's it, the Saturn idea." Bingo. He then proposed that the Appalachian Mountains were the remnants of a collapsed ring that once encircled the Earth. Oh well, that's that's not hard to picture. What? Well, that the mountains were formed because of a shell. Yep. Yep. Fine and dandy. You good with that? I'm very good with that. Very good with that. Uh, John was also adamant that he had come up with this theory on his own, despite Haley. Benjamin Franklin's proposal that the Earth was filled with gas, Swiss mathematician Leonard Euler, and uh, an Aboriginal mythology that also says it's. But it's other than all those, that, outside of that, all, though, other than those, he, he was, was the like, first. Mine. Yeah, okay. I did this. John pretty much took every fact that he ran across and jammed it into his theory, including descriptions of clouds, the aurora borealis, components of magnetic variation, temperature distributions. Patterns of wind and ocean currents, aboriginal hunting practices, animal migrations, the distribution of driftwood on the shores of Nova Zemlia. Sorry. Zemla. Zemliel. What is this list? These are all things that he but that he would take and go, oh, this fits into my, my hollow theory. So he theory. just had like a Frankenstein hollow theory? Anytime, basically anytime anybody would bring something up, he would go, oh, that works with my... <laughs> with my hollow earth theory. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter what it was. Yeah. Okay. He would just be like, that's a, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Marmalade. Yeah. yeah. Part of earth is marmalade. Uh, every single thing that he ran across to help prove the earth was hollow. He also believed that since bones and feather quills were hollow, then so was the earth. Okay. Uh, you know what two plus two equal equals four means, right? Uh huh. That's what we're talking about. That feels a little more that's dense what we're talking than that. About. Science. That's not... John pinpointed... I'm not crazy. I'm not. I sent a letter. Here's a letter. 
John pinpointed that it would be great if the people opened up the sanity letter before they opened up the other letter. Oh, uh, or they just didn't get the other letter. <laughs> what the fuck is this? I'm not crazy. <laughs> I'm just going to start sending those out. <laughs> Hello, my name's Gareth Reynolds. Now, I'm not crazy. John pinpointed the exact location of the polar openings using patterns of isotherms, vegetation, and ice distribution. But what? What is it? I mean, it's just for what? Like, well, they they move. They have movements. All those uh, things and vegetation grows in certain places, and ice is just distributed. But it's not proving in different <laughs> because of stuff. Okay, and isotherms. Cool. I'm they, not crazy. They move on through. Listen to me and listen good. He said the southern opening was larger than the northern opening. Mm, sure. Why yeah. not? Why not get down to that sort of bullshit? It's like my butthole and penis. <laughs> if I am, yes. uh, can we talk to you over here for a second? <laughs> I'm in the middle of a goddamn speech. There were some obvious problems with his theory. First, vegetables need light to grow and need warmth. Sure. On the vegetable front, John said that there's a lot of dense atmosphere in the poles which would cause light refraction, bending the light rays and allowing it to be a nice light and warm in the middle of the earth. So that's mean, a no-brainer. How? Okay, so the atmosphere is... <laughs> do you understand what's happening? The atmosphere is dense. So there's a lot of particles yeah, in it. Yeah, no, I understand. We have and light inside of the earth, and that's where good, tasty vegetables Because grow. there's particles in it, yeah. the light would hit the particles, and then it would bend... Bend it into the middle of the earth. But that's what I mean. Like, at like this a point, mirror. Right, exactly. But at this so point... So it's warm in there. Okay, you keep going. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, it's just bullshit. It's just there's no... Like, at some point, you know, it's just like if someone's no, he, telling you an elaborate lie. No, he figured out the vegetable thing. No, I don't think that he did. When people pointed out there wouldn't be gravity in the middle of the earth, so people couldn't live there, John just said Newton was wrong about gravity. Oh, no, Newton's way off. <laughs> Newton's way off on this one. No, Newton's wrong on this. There's gravity inside of the Earth. There's good food, good times, great music, and Newton's an idiot. Reactions. Does Newton have a letter that says that he's not crazy? No, he doesn't. Well, I I do. Okay. It's right here. Okay, I'm. I'd like you to read it. I'm reading it. I'm not crazy. Reactions to the scientific community were not the greatest, though the occasional big scientist would encourage him. The reaction. Hey, keep going, dumbass. Uh. The reaction of natural historian Thomas Lay was more than norm. Quote, the partial insanity of this man is of a singular nature. It caused him to pervert the supporting of an evidently absurd theory, all the fact which he has been able to collect from a vast number of authorities. He appears conversant with every work of travels from Hearns to Humboldt's, and there is not a fact to be found in these which he does not manage with considerable ingenuity to bring to the support of his favorite theory. In listening to the expositions of the concavity of our globe, we felt that interest which is inevitably awakened by the aberration of an unregulated mind. So that's his way of it's, saying it's he's interesting when nuts. you go to to the scientific community for validation and you're almost their study. <laughs> like the way he's like talking about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on in here. We're going you know, to talk. He's a to fascinating you. case. On his travels, John met and became friends with Major Thomas H. Long, who was the first who was on the first leg of his exploration of the Northwest Territory. Major Long was one of those who responded positively to the theory. 
While John was mostly being ridiculed in papers and the media, he was gaining in popularity in the West, where he was spending much of his time. His personality was engaging, and his writings were beginning to gain respect. Cincinnati first became a stronghold for John. His lecture tours were received positively, and he started getting favorable press reports. Bite. Yeah, I'm shaking my head. By 1823, John's enthusiasts were hosting benefits and even began organizing the logistics of Captain Sam's polar expedition. I'm, I'm sorry? <clears throat> what? What was they, that? They're organizing the logistics of his... They're getting ready to go into the Earth? They're organizing the logistics of his polar expedition to find the hole to get into the Earth. So he's finally found some people who are dumb enough to try to crawl inside Earth's butthole. In Ohio, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, and South Carolina, people are petitioning Congress to fund the mission. John's biggest and most important convert was an Ohio newspaper editor named Jeremiah Reynolds. Reynolds became so obsessed with the polar exploration that he became John Symes' protege and the bearer of his legacy. Reynolds realized John's theory would have to be accepted by the East, and particularly the people in the cities, for ships to set sail to find the hole in the pole. To find the pole hole? Pole hole. Ships to I mean, what what, what are they going to... It's not like a fucking bathtub drain. Reynolds convinced John to go on a tour of the East Coast. At first, it was not going well. (laughs) But then it began to pick up steam as it moved through Virginia and Pennsylvania. People came out to see the crazy man lecture... But because of his personality, they left wondering if maybe oh, he God. could be right. Oh, God. While on the tour, they learned that Count Romanov, Chancellor of Russia under Tsar Alexander, was planning a polar expedition. He had heard of John's theory and wanted John to be part of the journey. Oh, God. But John passed and used the information to rile up audiences in Philadelphia. He told people he would go with Romanov unless his fellow countrymen sent him uh, north oh God. on their own account. We're going to let the Ruskies get inside of Earth Saners first? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> the ploy tapped into America, American nationalism. He suddenly had a new legitimacy and attendance greatly increased at his lectures. I, I mean, you can just picture that you can just picture the Fox News of it. Oh, God. Oh, God, yeah. We're so fucking stupid. (laughs) Then Reynolds and John had a fight because Reynolds publicly acknowledged that maybe people couldn't live in the middle of the earth. Oh, can you imagine? So, um... That's betrayal. What the fuck happened out there? I just... They asked me if maybe it's a possibility that people couldn't live in the middle. Yeah, Yeah. I heard what happened. I'm asking you what happened. Well, they just asked the question, and I answered it honestly that it's a possibility. People can live inside of earth. We have great vegetables and fruit in there. Light bends. Okay. Newton's a fucking idiot. Okay. I am not crazy. <laughs> they both went to New York, where they had arguments through the press. Oh, that's fun. They finally made up. Well, a- why don't you tell him, okay, that that theory, and I am air quoting theory, he's standing right next to you. They finally made up, but the partnership was done. John left on tour in New England and Canada while Reynolds stayed in New York and promoted his own polar expedition. Oh, Jesus. If yeah, I'm going there first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now John Symes was getting respect he had never had before. Students at Harvard embraced his theory of a hollow earth with animals living inside of it 
animal. I mean, to the alarm of the faculty. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> Thank God. Someone was like, "Why did we let these people in?" The faculty held special lecture- lectures to try to talk the students out of their madness, and John was also catching on at other colleges as well. Respectful and enthusiastic press coverage followed. John, wherever he went now, and public interest in the polls was greatly increasing. In late 1827, Sims' chronic stomach problems became much worse. He returned to New Jersey, where friend and relatives cared for him, and in February 1929, he died. His dream of a polar expedition to find the hollow earth over. When he passed, the public's interest in his theories did wane, but his impact was only the beginning. Oh boy. Reynolds still carried the flag of the polar holes and a hollow earth. In 1828, before John's death, he met with President Quincy Adams. Oh, my God. And Secretary of the Navy Samuel Southward. Uh, with their support, he lobbied Congress to I'm fund- sorry? With their support? <laughs> what? Okay, so... In in the 1820s, a man went into the White House and sat down with the President of the United States and the Secretary of the, the Navy, Navy, and he told them that the Earth was hollow and that there are vegetables in there and light and maybe people. And animals. Animals, maybe people. And, Smarter people, perhaps. And their response was, let's get on this. And it went well. Let's get on this. It, it went well. It was a good meeting. It was a good... Everybody at the end was nodding their heads, shaking hands. There weren't... There weren't uh, Nobody was texting each other during the guys meeting. Yeah, talking into their. We gotta get this guy out of here. Hey guys, we got a fucking hey, we nut gotta, job in the oval. Uh, we nut job a, in the oval. How do we get this nut? How does nut get through here? But is it just? Am I just talking to you? Yeah, it's just me. Well, what the fuck? What, who is this? Isn't this supposed to go to someone else? That's the 1800s. We don't Jesus have any uh, communication. Oh, that's right. Like we're just talking into we're our talking collar to our shirts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Congress said the president could send. One of the Navy ships to explore the South Pacific. To explore? I mean, what the fuck are they looking for? A, a big Holes. fucking hole? Yeah. A portal. They're looking for a stargate. They're looking for a hole into the thing. Okay. All right. Reynolds was appointed a... Sort of a human colonic. Reynolds was appointed a special agent of the Navy to oversee the journey. <sighs> but in the early 1829, political infighting in the Navy killed the trip. Ah. Uh. Reynolds was not deterred. Good. He had to find the holes that led to the middle of the hollow planet. He approached the private sector and was successful. The South Sea Fur Company and Exploring Expedition paid for a private venture. Now, the only reason that they would do that is because they think they're going to get rich. Yeah. They think they're going to find a bunch of shit in there. Yeah, they think they're going to go find super cows. And there's a fur company. Yeah. Because... They're going to get all the pelts. Yeah, they're going to get all these minks that live inside of Earth's <laughs> fucking dickhole. How many Earth minks do you think are there? Oh, my Before God. Before we... They might be bigger minks. <laughs> oh, my... I can't even go there. I can't even think about it yet. I I, I think the little minks can survive on, on the top of the Earth, but the big minks are in the middle. You know, in that expedition, too, there were times where it was just like some guy like, Hey, man, when we get inside of Earth's ass, what are you going to do? He's like, man, first thing I'm going to do... Well, drink me some of that cow milk they got in there, man. It's supposed to be sweeter than any milk we got here on the outside of the shell. You ain't never tasted anything like it. You ain't never tasted anything like it. Really? Because I'm going to marry a Middle Earth woman. Oh, man. Mm, get get my out. citizenship to live inside of Earth's belly. 
Three ships set sail for the South Pacific in October. <laughs> the Nina, the Pinta, and the I'm not fucking crazy. And the holy shit, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, October 1829. It did not go well. Oh, the crews why? mutinied and the ships returned to New York. Hey. Reynolds was left in Chile. They just dumped him off in Chile where he wandered about for two years. Whoa. Yeah, That's he finally fun. returned home in 1834 and quickly set about trying to make the expedition to the South Pole happen. Jesus. In 1836, Reynolds gave an impassioned speech to the House of Representatives. To a room of cats. For, for another journey to the holes. The holes. A bill was passed. Oh, God. And it was supported by President Jackson. Oh, my God. In 1838... The Great United States Exploring Expedition set sail under the command of Lieutenant Charles Wilkes. Reynolds stayed behind. <clears throat> For over four years, the ship surveyed the South Pacific. They found nearly 300 islands and 1,500 miles of coastal Antarctica, establishing that it was a continent. They did not find a hole in the pole that led to the middle of the planet. The U.S. was now established as a country that could make world-class scientific contributions, and a precedent was set for scientific exploration and research in America. John Simpson, Americus. Uh, sorry? How was not every baby named that after 9-11? <laughs> Did pe- people just didn't know that was an option. Americus? This is Americus and Freedomtistic. And these are our twins, Tower One. Americus remained devoted to his father's theory and pushed it as far as his father had. In 1871, Charles F. Hall was setting out on the ill-fated Polaris expedition to reach the North Pole. Mm-hmm. This is 1871. Uh-huh. At a reception before his departure... Hall shocked members of the American Geographical Society by announcing his belief in John Sims' theory and that he was determined to find the entrance to the middle of the Earth. What the fuck? Like, they were like, this is going to be great. We're finally going to the North Pole. Uh, Gentlemen, I have one more thing to say. I'm going to find the middle of this fucker! (laughs) I I just picture what they thought the inside of the Earth looked like. I mean, they just thought it was just like, like that's really all that the the. I mean, just so many of the dollops are really just about people having a crazy vision of something that isn't there. Can you just picture him sitting in his house doodling pictures yeah. all the time? Yeah, just doodling like him. Yeah, like him with like nine women, <laughs> like just like in like gold with like a crown on. I think there also might be a beaver man. Yeah, yeah, half beaver, half man. I mean, why not? It happened on Saturn, right? Also, there's dinosaurs inside. Probably. Mm-hmm. In nice o- ones. In October, the men were wintering on the shore of northern Greenland, making preparations for the trip to the pole. Hall returned to the ship for, for an exploratory sledging journey and promptly fell ill. Before he died, he accused members of the crew of poisoning him. An exhumation of his body in 1968 revealed that he had ingested a large quantity of arsenic Ooh. in the last two weeks of his life. So he probably was killed yeah, by his was, Well, yeah, or he was eating something yeah. he shouldn't have been. The ship did go on to make it further north than any previous ship. Then 19 men got separated and were lost for six months on an ice floe before they were rescued. The Polaris was run aground uh, in Greenland. The remaining men were rescued the next summer. They did not find the hole 
into the middle of the earth. They didn't. <clears throat> so it's still there. I, the idea of a hollow planet. Just got to find that cork. The idea of a hollow planet remained alive in a small segment of the population, and it continues today, with those on the fringe recently having caught on with many on the internet. Oh, Jesus there is now an international Christ. society for a complete Earth, which uses photographs of Sims Globe and its logo. Also, two expeditions, one using a chartered Russian icebreaker and the other a specially outfitted seaplane, are currently planned to find polar openings into the inner world. In the end, John Sims' insane theory that he pretty much just made up ended up firing up imaginations and paved the way for the emergence of the United States as a decent contributor to the world of scientific knowledge and discovery. Yeah, that, that really put us on the map. <laughs> now look, just because we went there to find a hole doesn't mean what we found was an important discovery. We did find the Antarctic. Yeah, sure. So we found shit. Yeah. That seems to be how most things happen. Well, look, if you're if you're going somewhere to find something, does it matter what you find? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I would say that it does matter. Here's another idea. Why don't you lift up the Antarctic? Yeah, no, just like a rug. Just lift it up like it's a dirty little rug. Maybe it's a cap. Yeah, it might be a cap. Who knows? Maybe it's a cat. We don't know. I know one thing. I'm not crazy. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> 2016, let's pop the cap. Come on, guys. Get your bottle openers out. We're on cork and earth. Or cat. Or cat, whatever it is. Big minx. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You got to see the camels here. They have three humps. What? Women have one breast. Upside down is downside up. Hello is goodbye. There's You're gonna love it. Whole lake made out of chocolate. Young is old. Old is young. Willy Wonka runs it all. Cats are dogs. Cats are dogs. Dogs are cats. Mice are rats. Rats are mice. It's just like a Dr. Seuss. It's just the Dr. Seuss novel. Novel. <laughs> Man, is this some dense material? Holy shit! I gotta do a Dr. Well, Seuss. I gotta reread that sentence. I'm sorry. What did he will not eat them in a van? I can't get through this uh, this cat in the hat business. It's a long well, I'm slog. Doing, I'm, I'm doing my I'm doing up my thesis on the Who's a Whoville, and uh, it is just hard. It's hard to crack. I got three quarters of the way through. We have to Yertle. cite everything. You, have you read, tried to read Yertle the Turtle? Uh, no, no way. It's just so in depth, and it's so. It's too dense. much. It's dense. It is dense. It's dense. It's not. It's like I don't have a degree in uh, in turtles. No, you know, so it's hard reading. No, look, I have a degree on the wall. It just says that I'm not crazy. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I am not crazy. Now <laughs> let's talk about the Hollow Earth. Yes, I'm pissing my pants. <laughs> Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, this same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, 
this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.